Honey, what do you like about Mommy's podcast? Um, that I can hear you because I love you. That's why. <laughs> do I say anything interesting on the podcast? Not really, but I just like to hear, hear how it, what it's like for you to be in a writer. Oh, that's really cute, honey. <laughs> Thanks. By the way, my name is Violet. <laughs> so is Dot too. I think everybody knows. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll answer a listener question about the difference between writing TV shows and writing movies. Then we'll discuss why it's so important to have a why. And I have a literary hit this week, and Sarah will share her gyno bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But first, we have an update. Sarah, we have spent many episodes discussing your hair to die or not to die, (laughs) but we haven't checked in with you lately about it. And people are wondering what's happening with your hair. Well, so I did, of course, color my hair after much back and forth and consternation. Um, I started with hair print, which I then gave up because it was just too difficult for me and didn't color my gray that well. Mm. I know it works great for some people. Right. Totally recommend it if it works for you. But I switched to Madison Reed because it's just easy and I can do it myself. I mm. did it in a hotel room on the way to the Disney cruise that <laughs> Violet and I took um, over the holidays. So I'm coloring my hair and I have to say, I I mean, I think it looks fine. Looks great. But I do kind of regret it. I kind of regret it every day. Because of the maintenance factor? Yeah, yeah. It's just a pain in the butt. Right. And I think it was the right choice, and I'm going to keep doing it, but it's a drag. Yeah, you've said you look forward to the day when you don't do it anymore. When I retire to Ojai, I'm letting it grow out. Well, it does look good, if that's any consolation. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. So that's my hair update. Um, and now, Liz, it's time for the mail room, in which we answer a listener question about the entertainment industry. And this question comes from Jackie, who's in our Facebook group. She writes, what made you want to become TV writers as opposed to writing movies? What is the difference in process between writing TV shows and writing movies? Is the behind-the-scenes hierarchy, like the jobs you move through, etc., the same for TV shows as for movies? What types of stories work better for TV versus movies? It seems like there are so many shows being pumped out on Netflix now that I suspect previously didn't have an outlet due to there being a limited number of channels that people could watch, and I'm wondering why that is. So this is a great question. Being a TV writer is massively different from being a movie writer in terms of the job. Yeah. TV writers are really the people in charge of TV shows. We are the showrunners of The Fix. If The Fix were a movie, we might not even be on set. Right. We might not even be allowed on set. Right. In movies, the writer... And this is not across the board. No, of course there's many, you know, writer-directors who have power, but that's because they're directors. Right. In general, 
The director is totally in charge. The writer works for the producer and for the director and is sort of required to make the project accomplish what the director wants it to accomplish, as opposed to this is the story we're telling. How can we best tell that story? And the director then executes that. Right. You know, and and if listen to for sure the episode that we did with Michael Cattleman, because he really talked about how in television writers and directors collaborate and it's a meaningful and significant relationship. Whereas in movies, our impression is we've never written a movie and we don't necessarily plan to. Because we don't (laughs) want to be cast aside. Exactly. it's just, it's you really don't have any power as a writer in movies. And yeah. we don't like that. How I see it is that writers in movies, again, this is not across the board. I'm making a generalization, are seen as expendable. Yeah. So a writer, a big action movie, a big tentpole movie may have go through 11 writers. You know, maybe, oh, someone's writing a draft, throw out that draft, get a new writer, new draft. Then someone else comes in to pump up the action. Then someone else comes in to pump up the dialogue for the jokes. Then someone else comes and does a romantic polish. And it's just that's why there's all these huge arbitrations over who gets credit on these things. Many times, you know, the credit goes to just a couple of people, but several people might have worked on a movie. Um, Now, having said that, it can pay incredibly well. So there's good things about writing movies. Lately, what's happened is the movie business seems to have dried up. It's Mm -hmm. not what it once was in terms of now there's all these huge, big budget movies, but it's hard to do like medium-sized movies, which are kind of more of a writer's medium, I would say. Um, Dramas like Ordinary People. You know, would ordinary people be made today? I don't know. Probably not. Um, On the plus side, you can make a movie very cheaply on your own. So there's sort of a thriving, I think, super indie world, and then there's the big budget world. When it seems very actor-driven now, like if you can get a big actor attached to a small or medium-sized movie, it'll go. But if you can't, you know, forget it. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of movie writers are turning to television. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it is sort of the golden age of television, I think. Um, there are so many great shows. There are so many outlets. And what makes a story work better for TV than movie, I think, is if it's an ongoing story, if it's something that needs more than two hours. Yeah. I mean, TV, it just has to be much bigger Yeah, than a movie. A movie tells a concise, confined story. You want to get to the end and be satisfied by the end of a movie. And in TV, it has to be able to continue for hopefully seasons. Yes. Um, hopefully certainly seven for, years. Yeah. Certainly for several episodes. Yeah. You know, you have to have hours worth of material, not just, you know, two and a half hours or 90 minutes. And I also think in television in terms of the difference between the two, is we are very aware of the budget as writers. You know, we we know when we're writing something, like, we ourselves will cut a scene or cut a location because we just know at the end of the day we're not going to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. I think when you're writing a movie, that comes after, partly because there isn't the same schedule. I mean, we may be writing something on Monday that shoots on Friday, or Tuesday. Um, yes, or Tuesday. <laughs> that does not happen in movies. You're not writing the script the day before it starts shooting. Right. They often do bring writers yeah. to the 
wherever a, a movie is shooting in order to kind of rewrite as you go. Yes. Which to Especially me sounds like a comedies, nightmare. I think. Yeah. Because they might be trying different jokes on set. Ugh. But anyway, so thank you for that question. I think it's something everyone kind of has to grapple with when they come to Hollywood is, am I going to focus on TV or am I going to focus on movies? We chose TV and we're very happy we did. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Of course, Sarah, many people do both, um, and maybe we will one day as well. That's possible. You know, explode. That's, well, good point. Let's Don't say, never say never. (laughs) Right. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and sometimes just our psyches. And this week, it's have a why. Right. So what does that mean? So it's, you know, it's the time of year when we're all feeling very ambitious about our big plans. Um, some of us perhaps are starting to stumble on, mm-hmm. uh, on some of our big mm-hmm. plans. And it's really hard to stay motivated. So having a why can really help with that. And this came up for, honestly, kind of a silly reason. So I have this house in Minnesota, and I've done a lot to kind of clear it out. It, yes. it got really overwhelmed with stuff. It had my, generations Generations. My mom's, my grandmother's, two of my great aunts. It was all kind of there in boxes. And I will post a picture of one of the rooms <laughs> there. It took me literally a month of, like, full-time work to clean it out. But um, there's more to do including the garages, which are just like, oh, my God, totally packed with stuff. So I was thinking, well, if I clear out this garage, I could get a pontoon boat mm. to and, you know, store it there in the winter when it's not on the lake. And now suddenly I'm motivated to clean out the garages, which I've been putting off for years. So you have a why now. Why am I going to clean this garage in order to make room for a pontoon boat? Yes. I thought you were going to say a snowmobile because I remember at one point you wanted to get a snowmobile. Well, the garage does have a designated snowmobile door. Okay. So you don't yes. need the room for that. You have the room for that already. <laughs> yes. You need room for the pontoon boat. But we boats. don't have a snowmobile because okay. we're never there in the winter because we're not crazy. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, this is also a very common way weight loss yes. thing, of course. Yes. Yeah. It's like, why? Now, here's what I will say. Like, you wanted to lose weight and get healthy to not get Alzheimer's. Yes. And we've discussed that on the show. <laughs> yeah. I want to lose weight just to look good. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Well, you know what? Both things are, I mean, that's what's great about having a why, I think. Right. Your why is specific to you and my why is specific to me and everyone kind of has to come up with their own why. Yeah. I, I Yeah. Pretending to myself that my why is solely for health reasons won't necessarily stop me from eating uh, Ruffles potato chips at 11 p.m., but being real about my why and saying it's because I want to be able to go shopping and you know, buy jeans that I look good in might stop me from eating ruffles. Exactly. You have to be honest about your why. And like another example of a why would be remodeling your house. Mm. You wanted to, ultimately, it it was a, you know, hectic, chaotic, (laughs) miserable experience to remodel your house. But you had a why to make it worthwhile, which was, being able to entertain. Yes, it's very important to me on a on a on a big picture looking at my life. I want to be someone who entertains. And as you know, it's baby steps. 
Very small baby (laughs) steps, lurching um, baby (laughs) steps. But it is something I value. And I I wish that we had had this discussion and I had focused more on that during those couple of years because it really just seemed like it was happening and I didn't want it to be happening and I, I was just so beaten down. I mean, I have to say Adam did everything. But even having him do everything, it was still very uh, taxing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, having a why kind of keeps you not only motivated, but I think can help you handle the awful parts of what's going on. Right. You know, it's like even yesterday, I was at the dentist and a million times I thought about canceling, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I could have put it off another month or two months, you know. And then I thought, but I will feel so good when it's done. So my why for being there really wasn't even to get my filling. It was really <laughs> because I knew I would have a sense of euphoria when I <laughs> left. And as they were doing it, I just kept saying, well, I really want that sense of euphoria. Mm-hmm. And I got it. Excellent. It lasted the whole day. Now, really, I, what we should talk about is what is our professional mm, why. Yes, yes. We want to explode this year. Yes. If we have a why, that will help yes. us explode. Yes. Why do we want to explode? We want to explode because we feel like we are at the place in our career, sort of experience-wise, where we are ready to go to the next level. Um, we have a lot we want to get out there. And now is the time. Yes. Now, the question is, is that concrete enough? Mm. Like, you know, in the um, I want to clean out the garage so I can put the pontoon boat in model. Like, do we need something more concrete? Now, like the easy one would be I want to explode so I can get a house in Ojai. Ah, right. Because if your career explodes, your pay goes up, your savings go up, and then ergo, you can buy a house in Ojai. Right. But I'm, I'm kind of resisting that even as I'm saying it because I feel like it needs to be a more work-focused why and a mutual why. Right. For both of us. Yes. Um, I think it's because when you and I started this, we always have felt that if we're going to be TV writers, our goal is to have a hit show. Because that, to me, is the natural end of a TV, I mean, right. to, of being a TV writer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to feel that we have completed our mission, we need to have a hit show. But, I mean, I feel that way. I would not want to retire before having a hit show. Not that I want to retire if we do have a hit show. But, <laughs> I know. I'm like, really? Liz? What uh, are we saying? But you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like that is what we have been working for. Right. And so many things go into that. And I, I mean, to me, that's it's just like doing everything we can to accomplish the goal we set for ourselves 19 years ago. So our why is we want to explode so to me, explode is well, I more. I have a good reason. Okay, I have a good why. Oh, for good, you. good. Okay, because the more we explode, the more we are able to raise up women in this business. I love that why. That ultimately is our number yes. one priority, and always has been. Okay, right? Yes, absolutely. Like yes. that's what we want to do. Yes. So that's our why. Okay. Because the more we explode, the more we get to help women rise. Yes. Brooke is our why. Yes. She is Brooke one, and Mary. One of many. Yeah. Hopefully. 
And all the women directors we're going to hire and all the women everything else we're going to hire. Yes. More women in production. Yes. Yep. Okay. That's our why. I love it. We got it. Woohoo! What's your why? We want to know. Send us an email at happierinhollywood at gmail.com, or you can always send us a voice memo. We love voice memos. (laughs) And coming up, hits and bombs. Liz shares a hit that we are both obsessed with, and I have a bomb, but first an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And now it's time for Hits and Bombs, because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And Liz, you have a big hit that you want to share. Yes. Um, Sarah, a few months ago, I shared a hit, which was the book Bad Blood. I was Mm. like, everybody's got to read this book. I'm obsessed with this book. And so many of our listeners have read it and been talking about it on our Facebook group. I've been keeping my eyes open for another book that I feel passionately about sharing and telling everyone you must read this book. And I have one today. Excellent. It's called Educated, and it's by Tara Westover, and it's a memoir, and I'll read a little um, a bit about it. Tara Westover was 17 the first time she set foot in a classroom. Born to survivalists in the mountains of Idaho, she prepared for the end of the world by stockpiling home canned peaches and sleeping with her head for the hills bag. In the summer, she stewed herbs for her mother, a midwife and healer, and in the winter, she salvaged in her father's junkyard. Her father forbade hospitals, so Tara never saw a doctor or nurse. Gashes and concussions, even burns from explosions, were all treated at home with herbalism. Then, lacking any formal education, Tara began to educate herself. She taught herself enough mathematics and grammar to be admitted to Brigham Young University, where she studied history, learning for the first time about important world events like the Holocaust and the Civil Rights Movement. Her quest for knowledge transformed her, taking her over oceans and across continents to Harvard and to Cambridge. Only then would she wonder if she'd traveled too far, if there was still a way home. Tara Westover is only 32, and she has already lived, I mean, enough lifetimes uh, for many of us. And we both read this Mm -hmm. and loved it. Yeah. It's an amazing book. Visceral, I think, is the word that we have used repeatedly to to describe the book. Yeah, it's really a page turner. I mean, my mom had read it and given it to me and I thought educated. I mean, it you know, the I I I was like it doesn't sound like a page turner. <laughs> but like when I started, I just sat on the couch and read it almost straight through. Yeah. 
uh, because I just couldn't put it down. And I know our audience loves books that are just, you know, you can't put down. And it really is about sort of the triumph of the human spirit and how it doesn't matter where you come from, that you can go anywhere. Well, and my feeling about the book is that in 10 years, she's going to write another book. Yes. That's even better. Yeah, because this is so close She's so close to the experience. So close. And part of that is good because it does feel very visceral. And part of it is I'm glad I read this now because I really want to see how she feels about all of this in 10 years and in 15 years and in 20 years. Yes. I mean, her evolution is going to be so riveting and amazing. And I want to be there on the ground floor so I can see it moving forward. Yes. So everybody read Educated by Tara Westover. And um, of course, comment about it on our Facebook group because we love getting everyone's opinion on on these books. Yes. And if you haven't read Bad Blood yet, you must. (laughs) Now, Sarah, you have a bomb this week, a gyno bomb, which, I mean, (laughs) the phrase that needs to be on a T-shirt, but go ahead. All right. So uh, this is just, you know, everybody puts off their gynecologist appointment. Yes. Um, And I had fallen prey to that over the last several months. Um, I think I'm supposed to go in, like, March or April every year, and it's January. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just went, and I put it off so many times, and Mary probably could count the number of times. I mean, I must have pushed it like nine times. And I just want to say that is just not a good idea. Why did I do that? It's such a bomb. It's like a life-saving thing to go to the gynecologist I went. It was fine. I don't have any life-saving issues right now. But, like, it's just, it's such a mistake to not just go. Everybody has to go every year. It's not that big a deal. I think you, like, build appointments like the dentist, like the gynecologist, Mm -hmm. into a thing of, like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And you put it off. And it's just put up other things. And go to the dentist and go to the gynecologist. Yeah, because it really is so important. And it really isn't bad. I mean, No, it's fine. Especially, and if you're not comfortable with your male gynecologist, get a female gynecologist. Right. Get a gynecologist you like. That is important. that's the key. Um, Ideally, one that's convenient to you. Yes. Mine is not convenient to me, which is one reason I'm always putting it off. Um, But I'm not willing to change. So this is the rub. (laughs) But um, everybody, just please go. Please go. No bombs. No bombs for our audience. No gyno bombs for you. Learn from us. Yes. (laughs) Next up, we reveal this week's earth-friendly Hollywood hack. We are going to save some trees, Sarah. But first, an ad break. All right. It's time for this week's Hollywood hack. It's an app called Scriptation. And it was created by a guy named Stephen Vitolo, who has worked on shows like ABC's Blackish, Hot in Cleveland on TV Land. And he developed this iPad script annotation app. And it's sort of sweeping the industry. Vitolo came up with the idea um, when he was working as a script coordinator on a pilot in 2013 because he was dealing with so much um, of the industry's paper waste firsthand. Because as I don't know if everyone knows this, but in television, we put out draft after draft after draft scripts. And you're constantly printing out new pages, putting them in your script, and then throwing away old pages. Yes. And, you know, people can go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of 
thousands of pages yes. per episode if you're including the whole crew. Yes, if you're printing this for everybody. Yes. And I we know that our director producer Michael Cadman loves scriptation. I almost yes. called it scriptalicious. Scriptation. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what it does is it allows him to transfer notes that he's taken on a draft to the next draft. So before he would have to rewrite notes onto new pages, which is a huge hassle, now he can just transfer them onto the new draft. And also it allows actors to highlight their own lines and to transfer that, I assume, to the next draft, which is very useful for actors. Yes. Scriptation is going to save reams and reams and reams of paper. There's no question. Now, that said, you and I do have a little bit of a, you know, a hesitation. Well, you and I like to have a script in our hand. Yeah. Like, we need to have a script. Like, I can't think the same way reading something on a screen as I can reading it on paper. Right. Exactly. Having something on paper, holding it in your hands, as writers, paper, scripts yes. on paper yes. are like our primary tool. Totally get that not everyone needs that. No, if you're like doing the props and you just need to kind of skim through the new scenes to see if there are any new props, there's absolutely no reason in the world why you need to have the printed page that I can think of. I'm sure a property master might be like, well, actually. Yeah. Cynthia um, could say, hey, hold yeah. on. But, um, but there are many, many people who do not need a printed version, who I'm sure don't like having a printed version, would much rather be able to just get updated scripts on their devices. Right. Um, so this is an amazing tool. I love that, you know, somebody went out and like solve this problem. Yes. So well done. Yes. Scriptation. It's sweeping Hollywood. <laughs> and now it is time for this week's celebrity sighting. Sarah, you had um, a vicarious celebrity sighting, which we count. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I walked by this person. I just didn't know it. Okay. So I was in Ojai a couple weeks ago and was getting out of our friend Tracy's car. Our friend Tracy lives in Ojai, yes. which, oh, my God, what a wonderful, yeah, she wonderful life. Amazing life. So I was going out to lunch with Tracy, got out of her car. She said hi to someone. I didn't notice who. And then later she said, oh, yes, that was Jason Siegel who I said hi to. Um, Jason Siegel, of course, is an actor. He was in How I Met Your Mother, Freaks and Geeks, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, I think he's also a director. Um, anyway, so the first time I was going to say, didn't you see Jason Siegel in Ojai before? Yes, I did. The first time I went there, I saw him at this restaurant, Bonnie Lou's, which is years ago, years and years ago. So anyway, it must be his favorite place as well as mine. So You know, I'm counting it as a celebrity sighting. Well, especially because you've seen him there before. I think it counts. Okay, thank you. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, one of our wise. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. 
Wait, Sarah, what exactly is a pontoon boat? I know I've heard of it, but I can't picture it. <laughs> it's like it's like a flat. It's like if you took a dock and made it into a boat that you could drive around a lake with seats. With oh, it's like a seats. party boat. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you want a party boat? No, I want a <laughs> boat that you know I can just chill on. Okay. Well. What sounds nice. Some people might want a party, but I want to chill. <laughs> you though. want to be able to read. Yeah. 